The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus said to his disciples, You have heard that it was said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your heavenly Father. For he makes his sun rise on the bad and the good and causes rain to fall on the just and the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what recompense will you have? Do not the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet your brother and sisters only, what is unusual about that? Do not the pagans do the same? So be perfect, just as your heavenly Father is perfect. The Gospel of the Lord. We're here because we're the people of God. And that is what our scripture readings today are speaking about with a certain degree of insistence, that to belong to the Lord means something. And we want to be careful about getting that right. Moses, speaking to the people in our first reading from the book of Deuteronomy, is addressing them right before they begin that series of movements by which they will enter the promised land. So imagine that setting. The people, after 40 years, is coming to the end of their time in the desert. In just a short time, they're going to cross the Jordan River, and they're going to be in that land that they have been promised, that place that they have been seeking. And so these words are addressed to the people when they are on the cusp of entering into that reality that has been promised to them. And why? So that they get it right. And it's in this context now that Moses speaks to the people and he's saying to them, let's be clear about who we are before we cross that river. Let's be clear about what we're about and what we're crossing over that river to do. And who are we? We're his people in a way that no one else is. The Lord has called you, Moses reminds them, to be a people peculiarly his own belonging to him with a distinction that no one else has, a people with a special place in the heart of the Lord. And what a remarkable statement that is. But as Moses is saying this to the people, he wants to be clear to them, before you are anything else, that is who you are. That is who we are all together. The Lord is our God. But to say that means if he is indeed our God, we have to walk in his ways. That's what belonging to God requires. If I'm not walking in his ways, he's not my God. And so note the importance here. You will maintain this sense of who you are by walking in the way that the Lord has marked out. 
So in other words, it's not enough to say that we followed the Lord in the desert if we don't also follow him in to the land of promise. The following in the desert won't mean a thing if when I enter the place of blessing, I stop following. So note how wonderful this is. The following doesn't stop. It's the setting that changes. You followed the Lord through hardship and struggle. Now, as you enter into the place of blessing, there's still following to do. And when we are faithful to that, the blessing indeed will be abundant. When we are faithful to that, we will live well in the land that has been given to us. But if we turn away from that, if we think once we cross the river, following is over, it will not go well for us. And we'll lose ourselves in the process because we'll lose who we most fundamentally are. No wonder then our psalm response is, happy the people who follows the law of the Lord. And note though that it's this following, the walking in the way that the Lord has marked out, which is the walking in the way of blessing, the walking in the way of happiness, which is the great desire of our hearts. Jesus then, that same Lord who has told Israel, you are a people peculiarly my own, is now speaking to those disciples that he has called around himself. And it is in this context as well then that the Lord addresses them with these words we hear in our gospel reading today. But he begins in a curious way. He looks at his followers and he says to them, you have heard it said. And let's just pause right there because we hear lots of things, don't we? Think about what you hear on a regular basis because we've heard lots of things being said too. And so note, the Lord is not simply saying you've heard it said by your religious leaders. He's not simply saying you've heard it said elsewhere in scripture. He's also saying you've heard all kinds of things. You've heard something. And if we're honest, our hearing can be pretty selective sometimes, can't we? You know, in, a, in all kinds of ways, there's the experience of the person with hearing aids who turns them up or turns them down, depending on who's speaking. There's that tendency we can have at home when the volume on the television set goes up or down, depending on what's happening in the house. There's that tendency where someone is speaking to me and I stop listening after the first couple sentences because I think I've got it all. We can be very selective in our hearing too. And if we're not careful, that can happen with the gospel. We hear our favorite parts and we tend to forget about or just don't listen to the other parts. And so the, when the Lord says, you've heard it said, He's speaking on all of those levels. And then he says, and I've got something to say to you too. You have heard it said, but I say to you. Note the insistence now. There are many 
things that speak to you. And I speak to you. Be careful about which one you're really listening to. And then now, let's look at specifically what the Lord is pointing out. He says, you have heard it said to you, love your friends and hate your enemies. And let's be honest, that is pretty much the way of the world. If you're good to me, I will like you and respect you as long as you continue to be good to me. If you are cruel to me in any way, I have no obligation to love you, respect you, or think positively of you. I can avoid you. I can ignore you. I can dismiss you. I can get back at you. This attitude lives naturally in our hearts, and lamentably, it is all too common among us believers as well. We'll often hear, well, if someone's going to disrespect me, I'll disrespect them right back. And note the spirit that asserts itself that way. It's so common, it's so natural, and why do we do that? Because we've heard that that's the right way to be. Whether or not anybody positively taught us that, we've somehow heard that that's okay. And so look at the Lord. You've heard that, which also means that's what you're living out of. And then he says, but I say something different. In other words, that's wrong. And what you've heard is wrong. And so let me tell you the correct thing. And again, we have to be careful here because now the Lord is saying, this is what you need to know and therefore what you need to do. And right away, we should be getting really cautious because when the Lord speaks this way, it's usually not easy. But again, this is going to be the issue. Belonging to me has consequences. It means something. And so the Lord looks at his disciples and he says to them, you have heard this, but you didn't get that from me. And so now hear me. That's a sobering statement because the Lord is simply reminding his disciples, you've been listening to somebody else all along. You've been shaped by somebody else. And now is the time to stop listening to that source and to learn from the true source. And so he says, but I say to you, that can't be the way you live. You must love your enemy and do good to the one who has done wrong to you. And right away, the worldly spirit within us wants to say, but that makes no sense. Why should I do that? They don't deserve it. 
And this is where Jesus is going to say, this is not about what anybody deserves. And as we point out from time to time, and I'll use myself as an example, if the Lord gave me what I deserve, you'd have a smoking pile of cinders and ash here in the front of the uh, church. Because that is what I deserve. Um, you know, the lightning bolt would come down. So this is not about, so note, that's what I deserve from God. But that's not what I've gotten. I'm alive. Still alive. Like all of you. And so note as Jesus is speaking, what he's really doing is wanting to inculcate his spirit in his followers. To belong to the Lord is, as we've heard in our first reading, to walk in his ways. So this is the Lord now saying, if you belong to me, that involves walking in my ways. And this is my way. My way is not the way of petty vindictiveness. My way is not the way of self-righteous anger and suspicion. My way is not the way of the harsh response to what I disagree with or what I feel wounds me. Note how different that is from the broader climate of anger around us, where to a degree we've never seen before in society, the freedom to assert my right to rage is such a common thing. And again, all too many of us believers have bought into that broader culture of anger in which we're living. We all feel the right to our rage. And when the rage assurls onto us and asserts itself, what do we do? We want to triumph over our enemy. We want to cast our enemy down. We want to defeat our enemy. This idea of loving the enemy. Wow. That is turning everything on its head. And Jesus is looking at his disciples and he's saying, and that's precisely why that is what will set you apart from everybody else. Anybody can be angry. Anybody can do good to somebody who's doing good to him or her. It doesn't require tremendous grace to do that. It's not a mark of good character that someone can do that. Rather, the one who follows me, the true Christian being that one in whom my spirit is making a difference, a visible, distinct difference is that one who is living in a way that is different from the world around him. The world around you gives you permission to be vengeful, to be vindictive, the Lord says. But I don't. I don't. I say to you, love, with a love that is strong enough it can even reach your enemy because that is a great love. I say to you, do not be quick to revenge yourself. Rather, 
be quick to learn to seek the good, even for that one against whom you harbor something. What a remarkable statement that is. And the Lord grounds it in the way of God himself. Note what he says. The sun that the Lord causes to rise over the world gives light and warmth to the good and to the wicked. It's not about who deserves what. It's that it's the right thing to do. The rain will fall on the crops of the good and the just, and it will fall on the crops of the wicked too. Not because they've earned it, but because it's the right thing to do. No, the Lord does good even to those who turn their back on him. And Jesus is saying, that is the way of God. That is my way. And because it's my way, it must also be your way. This is what will mark you as a new people, a distinctive people, a people uniquely my own. And it has long been pointed out that among the singular distinctions of the Christian confession is exactly this teaching. Nowhere had it been said before. And we've been struggling for 2,000 years to embrace it in its fullness, or to embrace it at all. Love your enemy. But when the Lord says this, he's deadly serious. In fact, in a few weeks when we celebrate the mystery of his passion, one of the things we recall is that he who is innocent bears the burden of our guilt for us. He dies for us who have wounded him by our wickedness. Love your enemies. Do good to them. And even at that point when he stretches out his hands and is nailed to the cross, as the nails are being driven, and you you know, if you want to define who my enemy is, the guy hammering the nail through my hand is probably not a bad image. And what does the Lord say? He doesn't curse that one. He doesn't call down vengeance upon that one. He doesn't ask for judgment against that one. And he says, Father, Forgive him. Even as he's wounding me so severely, he has no idea what is happening. Forgive him. This is the spirit of Jesus Christ. Notice then that he's speaking to his disciples, and he's not placing a burden on them that is different from his own. Rather, what he's really doing is saying, this is the key to living according to my spirit. It's a difficult key. It would be wonderful if there was an easier one. But the beauty is, it's from him that we find the strength to do that. And this is why fixing our eyes on the Lord, especially over this season of Lent, is so very important. 
Because the more we can contemplate his patience, the more we can face the full reality of his mercy and his forbearance, the more those things will begin to shape our own hearts, the more our hearts will begin to correspond. And how wonderful it is we can hear that in this place, when in just a couple minutes, that same Lord who causes the sun to rise on the just and the unjust alike is going to be right here. And here we are, the just and the unjust alike, gathered together here. I'm assuming you guys are all the just, I am the unjust, but we're all here. And that one Lord Jesus is going to come in his fullness for all of us. It's not about what any of us deserves. Note how wonderful that is. Even if we lived as his enemies and his opponents this week, here we are in this place, and we can still come forward. We can still stretch out our hands, and we can still receive him. The one Lord who doesn't give himself more fully to me than he does to you, or to you than he does to me. He gives himself equally to everyone who comes. This is his spirit. And note, it's not about our perfection. It's not about what we deserve. Because the Lord has not come to hold things against us. He has come to save us. And the great proof of salvation, the Lord reminds us today, is that we begin to learn to do and to live likewise. It is a difficult way, but what a remarkably holy and beautiful way when one can place his feet upon it. Amen.